0: Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM
1: Synergy. I'm your host this week, Mindy Weinstein with Bruce Clay, Inc., and this is our weekly digital marketing podcast. So today I'm joined by the Vice President of Organic Search Operations, Dwayne Forrester, Content and Media Manager, Virginia Nessie, and SEO Manager, Rob Ramirez. We have a great show for you, and we're going to be talking about quite a few things today, but the main focus of our conversation is on a recent blog post that Dwayne did for our website, and it's titled, What Should You Expect from a Search Engine? So there's definitely some good tidbits in there, and we're going to be going through them today. So we're going to be talking with Dwayne and Virginia and Rob, so all of us are going to be weighing in. But just to start, Dwayne, I love how you started the blog post describing what it's like to be inside a search engine, and the point that you made that search engines are not out to harm your business. One of the other quotes that you had in there that really stopped to me too is that, you know, the search engines do not exist to satisfy a business. They exist to satisfy searchers. And I thought that was really powerful. And it just really leads to the bigger conversation of, you know, what does motivate search engines? So if you want to start expounding on some of your thoughts that you had in your your rants, as you called it a little bit earlier, um, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting conversation. And you know, I, I have Um, I've been fortunate in my past to be in a position where, um, you know, I was one of those public-facing faces on behalf of a search engine, and it it gave me a lot of insight into the expectations that at least our industry brings, and on a broader scale, a lot of business owners bring uh, when they're asking questions. And, you know, over the years, you start to realize I was very fortunate because, Most of the, you know, extremely hard questions and the pointed fingers... Those were generally reserved for my Google counterpart on stage, but the fact is that you know, like, there seems to be and will always be a moment where people are kind of like, "Oh, that change happened and it harmed me." You know, how dare they? They're they're they 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 do not want to support us. They don't want to do, to help us. And um, if we fast forward this week, um, Google is testing new uh, travel-related search results in mobile. You know, it's 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 an evolution. That's what happens. And you know the search engine exists to find the best answers and to satisfy the searchers' needs. That's their number one focus is searcher satisfaction. Piled on top of that, and always something that you have to keep in mind is these businesses are non they are not nonprofit businesses. They are for profit businesses. So on some level, you know, they, they have to give way to this notion of generating revenue. This is where you see paid advertising coming in, and this kind of thing. So it is completely logical to expect that you would see that type of profit motive continue. I mean, a business's goal is to grow its business, and despite what a lot of you know business owners and, and industry folks may think, you know, Google and Bing don't make changes to algorithms because they seek to harm a business. In fact, when we see these these changes happen, and, you know, we'll talk a bit about this panda, penguin, hummingbird, the page layout, um, all of these types of things are actually in response to something that someone has done to try to take advantage of a current state. So these are kind of ways for the search engine to essentially protect themselves and protect the answers that they give to searchers.
2: Let's talk Um, about that point in your post because I I was – quite enlightened by it this you talk about updates and why do search yeah. engines make updates you have a line updates are a move from a more from one state to a more advanced state i thought that was a good perspective
0: yeah it's it's really interesting and i mean you know it's tough for us i i work obviously in an agency environment now. And, and it's really tough when you're sitting with clients for, for you to not take this personally, to look at this and say, damn, you know, it's been really hard getting my business to where it is. Now this change has happened and that harms me. There's no transparency about it. So how do I know what to fix and, you know, what the best path is and so on. These are very legitimate moments in time for businesses. And, and in no way will I seek to kind of, you know, minimize that. Again, it comes down to the searcher's quality, and as the search engine grows, and the algorithm is being worked on. When I mean, you think about it, you go to work every day. You know we do this. We show up at the office every day. We have work we need to get done. By the end of the day, you've accomplished some work. Therefore, at the end of the month, the business has done more work. Business has moved forward. Business has grown. That is a pattern for every single business, and the search engine is no different. There are between, I'm going to use the phrases, hundreds and thousands of people showing up every day at both of the major search engines with one goal in mind, and that is to complete work that moves that business forward. They will put ideas out there. They will cherry pick the best among those. They will put teams to work on them. Those teams will spend weeks and months digging deep and trying to figure out the most information, the best way to execute on it. Along the way, there is time actually spent trying to ensure that you do not harm a business in any way, that when a change rolls out, businesses aren't overtly harmed. How
2: about this insight into the... Difference between Google and Bing where you call updates on Google like a bump in the road and then on yeah. Bing more of like a kind of bumpy road but if you find your footing there then it's more even and
0: there's a lot of history there, right? The Bing algorithm that was really put into play when Bing itself was launched was a very updated version, and there was a lot of effort put into it. It was very mature when it came out with Bing. And that's not to say that there you know, weren't opportunities for improvement. It has been improved, and that's obviously good. Um, Google at the time was working from a base algorithm that was much older. And so you know, when you're working with these algorithms, there are times when you actually have to step back and say, we did not forecast for that six years ago, and now we have to fix the problem. And it's not as easy as just opening it up and saying, oh, hey, yeah, if we move this lever, we can insert this new piece into the algorithm and everything works fine, which is why you start seeing these things like panda, penguin, hummingbird. They're kind of like additional layers that get added on to the filtering process, essentially. You know, that's, that's not necessarily a bad approach. It's, it's a reasonable approach. But Bing has always had a more in-the-background, subtle approach to it. Uh, Microsoft's history has taught all of the employees to be very aware of the impact that their work has on external businesses. And that plays a role in the mentality and the approach. So when Bing was be seeking to roll out updates they were very aware and very careful to ask those questions in the planning meetings during testing and to make sure that it was a smoother transition. And so effectively what it worked out to be was, you know, you're driving down the highway, and the difference here is is like on any given highway, the surface is not perfectly smooth. And if you're driving slowly, you'll feel some irregularities. Once you get up to speed, it will feel very smooth. Everything just smooths right out for you. Every now and then, though, on the Google highway, there's a speed bump and you don't see it coming and then you hit it and it's a bit jarring. And that's what those updates are like. You know, that, that's where it, it unsettles people from time to time.
3: Yeah. And, you know, the updates themselves, you know, there's always going to be collateral damage. There's always going to be someone unhappy about what's happened and what's changed. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking about trillions of pages that are on the Internet and indexed, there's, you know, really the search engines have to take a, a macro view of this. And yes. while there could be uh, highly publicized and very well-documented cases where results have gotten worse uh, in following algorithm updates, Overall, if things are better, then it's going to stay, right? It's going to stick. And and that's perfectly reasonable. Now, of course, to the individuals and the businesses that it negatively affects, it doesn't feel reasonable. It feels like you're being picked on, right? And and when these uh, businesses uh, pay a lot of money to a a search agency – to, uh, you know, kind of optimize their site, make sure that they always appear at the top of the results. Uh, and then something like this happens to them. Yeah. Maybe there's more, uh, you know, energy behind the fact that we can promote that and talk about it a little bit more. The more eyes go to it and the, the perception then in the industry anyways becomes, Oh, wow. Google's doing this horrible job. Look what they're doing to businesses. You know, there's all these examples of, of, you know, mom and pops closing up shop because you know they, they, their business had to go under because of an algorithm update. Um, but overall, Google needs to look at the big picture. And again, if the serps are getting better overall and they've addressed issues that are coming up, uh, then then the, the the change has to stick.
0: Yeah, there's there's a couple of things to you know keep in mind with that, right? Um, you know, the fact that the change is happening, it's it's not happening just because. It's not some grand test that may roll back. All the testing has been done. The data is in hand. It's very clear why the decision is being made. And in many cases, this is the two sides to this, right? In many cases, a marketing tactic is employed by a consultant, an SEO agency, or by a business owner themselves. And at the time, that tactic was generally seen to be acceptable time progresses, it's abused as a tactic, the search engine takes an action, now suddenly those who have relied on it find themselves in peril. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a tough one, right? Because on one hand, the business does have a responsibility to at least be aware of the general guidelines that they should be following and ensure anyone they hire is ethical and, and follows these things. On the other hand, you know, it's really not the business's goal to be the expert on the topic. So there is a certain amount of trust that has to be placed there. And you know, and I think this is where we, you know we will and generally always find ourselves in the gray zone. It will always be that moment in time. However, we are starting to see a bit of a leavening that's happening here. And the reality is that, you know, I like to think of it as the bad old days are behind us. Generally speaking, You don't see a lot of people pushing exploitive techniques today. And those who are, it's fairly obvious that they are not, they're not the right choice for a business to make. Um, You know, the the proponents of those things will never go away. It's not to say that every now and then a tactic can't be exploited. That does happen. Generally speaking, you know, like these teams, the spam teams that are watching for this kinds of things, they're really good. They're smart about what they do. And... The rest of the search engine takes their input seriously, and if the business agrees that it's a problem, there's going to be a change that affects businesses downstream.
3: It's one of these things where we talk about, you know, you've got to color inside the lines when it comes to SEO uh, until Google mo- or a search engine moves the line, right? And then all of a sudden, well, wait a second, now I'm outside of what's normal, what's useful, what uh, the search engines want to see basically from an optimization point of view. And I agree that the tendency now is that, you know, the outright spam is much less of an, uh, uh, a lot less of a tactic that's being used and implemented. Uh, which is good. I feel like there is a movement towards let's make decisions based on what serves the customer best, right? What makes our sites more usable? Uh, and let's give them a better experience across the board and the traffic and rankings will follow. Um, and now that's not always the case, but certainly it's, it's, it's a good litmus test, right? When you're, when you're determining whether to change something on page, that can always be the tiebreaker, right? Does this improve the page for the user that's going to land on it? And if it does, then you move forward. And if it doesn't, well, then maybe you need to think twice about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree.
1: Well, I think you both have some really good points. Um, Dwayne, it's interesting because I was about to bring up the point that you already shared about business owners because – doing the training courses, I come across a lot of business owners, and that's something I hear from them is, well, I remember this technique used to work. I didn't know it changed. But, you know, there is there is a certain level of trust, like you said, when, when businesses hire SEO companies, and I think there's also a certain obligation for, if you have a website, for you to know what's going on and what is considered best practices. And Rob, I'm completely with you, too, on what you said about the users. But it's now time for us to take a quick break, and we will continue this conversation about search engines when we get back so you definitely don't want to miss what we have coming up and the more tidbits we have to share some more SEM synergy after this break
0: don't go away SEM synergy will be right back are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com.
3: at bruceclay.com.
0: Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm.
2: Hi, guys. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nussi, and we've been talking about what to expect from a search engine, a post by Dwayne Forrester, former Bing search engine rep. VP of Organic Search Operations here at Bruce Clay Inc. So before the break, the conversation kind of moved to some of the gray zone tactics and loopholes that businesses have exploited and the fact that that's kind of going away as a trend, that's what Dwayne reports from where he sits. I think that SEO has like kind of two big pillars if you want to look at the content, the and the usability of a site as one. And then the technical SEO, accessibility for bots and site structure. So, and linking, of course, that's another big technical aspect. Linking is always a hot topic in SEO. One kind of worth diving into here a little bit, especially because in our organization, we've been talking about what's gonna replace links, what the next level of links are. I think that we're kind of setting the groundwork For the conversations about what will replace links, um, I'll toss it to you, Rob.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really one of these things where I think Google's ability to semantically understand the relationships between topics and themes, which they've really been focused on, are going to allow them to judge links on the fly, right, and judge what links should count and which shouldn't. You know, the punitive aspect of of things like the Penguin Penalty is something that's still out there, obviously, and we'll see if Google decides to go against that. There's a lot of folks that don't think that that's possible. I kind of disagree with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, clearly, we were talking about, you know, for the most part, search engines are basically judged by the quality of the pages that they send searchers to, right? And that's an interesting perspective of what Dwayne wrote in his article, one that SEOs, I think, tend to forget. And it makes sense uh, in a lot of ways, you know, especially when we look at things like AMP, right, which Google is really pushing right now. And Virginia and I wrote an article about it on the BCI blog recently. And really it's Google attempting to improve mobile experience for people that are trying to consume content. Because we have things like Facebook Instant Articles that's out there that's loading content instantly, which is a great experience, exactly what uh, searchers and, and people who are consuming content are expecting. But then the SERP, right, is structured in a way, and Google's kind of responsible for those blue links on the page, and they're sending people to a site that doesn't load, that takes forever to load. And it's almost like, well, that's kind of a negative point against Google So here's this solution in order to load things much more quickly and and, uh, give a better mobile experience across the board.
0: I think it's kind of an exciting move. You know, on one hand, you've got, you know, Google coming in and essentially appearing to force the business's hand, right? To say, you know, look, we're going to give you this. You need to follow it. And if you do that, you'll be rewarded. It's the carrot and the stick approach. Eventually, it may catch on. If it does, hey, fantastic. If it doesn't, they'll try something else. There's always a new technology that comes along that that can improve things. And I think that uh, mobile kind of changes the landscape quite a bit here. Um, another area that I think is going to is going to evolve and this is purely a prediction on my part is the area of links. I think that uh, you know the value of links one of the the key things that a search engine is always you know working toward is protecting themselves against link abuse, essentially, and protecting the algorithm from responding to abusive link situations in a an artificially positive manner. That is obviously very, very clearly something that the, uh, the engines deal with, um, still something that people look to exploit, and has spawned an entire world of, you know, uh, disavow tools and negative link campaigns and all this downside that's suddenly come up, people holding other businesses hostage with links pointed at them and whatnot. As practitioners in this industry and the search engines have better be looking beyond links. And I think it's a pretty safe bet that the search engines have been looking beyond links for a while now. My suspicion is that linkless attribution is much more important than anybody currently realizes. It is literally those You know, mentions of a brand in an article where there's no link. It is someone's sentiment in a comment about something. It is someone writing a blog post and saying they enjoyed such and such a product with no link, but mentioning it in a positive way. All of the engine's algorithms have the ability to parse natural language, to look at what this is, and to understand sentiment. So, you know, long ago, the engines understood the concept of FAT, F-A-T, and FAT, P-H-A-T. And with that comes the ability then to discern when the writer of the comment may be pleased or may be disappointed. And if you take that over millions of instances, you start to see trends and you start to be able to gain confidence in your actual, uh, the algorithm gains confidence in its ability to make a decision on this. And, you know, I think that we're going to be very shortly entering the world where that becomes more and more prominent, which now means... Your PR machine needs to be doing its job well. Your social presence needs to be doing its job well. Reviews need to be properly curated and cultivated. You need to have good relationships with your customers so you can engage them and spur them on to say positive things. We all want these things now, but I think it's going to become even more important in the next few years.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and you, you talk at the end of the article about getting back to the roots of internet marketing, right? And that really is, you know, getting back to the roots of marketing in general, right? Give your customers a really exceptional okay. experience and make sure that it's documented and that they leave you feeling better off than before they had found you. And that type of sentiment is what Google's really, and Bing for that matter, are really trying to kind of quantify. You want to talk about being algorithm-proof, right, which is something yep. that a lot of businesses and, and are really interested in being so that none of these kind of bumps in the road can affect them. Really, brand sentiment and improving your brand so that it's synonymous with quality and you know synonymous with the keywords you're trying to rank for right at the end of the day is really the formula to being algorithm-proof. You make the SERP worse because you're not in it is really where you need to take it. This is an interesting thing, you know, like...
0: I vaguely remember a time before the internet because I refuse to admit that I'm that old. Um, But, you know, when I was young, when I was in my teens, the concept of business was ever present. I grew up in a business family. My mom worked for a bank and my dad ran our own business. And it was always very clear to me that, you know, there was a process for getting a business started and running a business. You built your business plan. You had a marketing plan as part of that you know, you had everything. You knew the market size. You knew the cost per object. You knew knew all the information. You went to a bank. You got a loan. You borrowed from family and friends. You opened up your business. And that business plan was generally built over a five-year period. So in the first year, you might not expect to make a lot of money, but by year two, you were starting to see some growth, and that allowed reinvestment. By year three, you were getting on your feet. By year four, you were looking at expanding. And by year five, You are actually being able to repay a lot of your loans and actually move the business forward. And that, as the Internet came, that whole concept went out the window and everyone said, oh, the Internet, it's a shortcut to riches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to deny that for a while there was that. It was a land rush and people made a lot of money off a lot of stuff really fast with shortcuts. But we're kind of at a maturity phase here where, that approach simply doesn't work and i was doing a webinar yesterday and i had someone asking me what the quickest solution what the quickest shortcuts were to a profitable business and my response was if that's your perspective that you bring to this endeavor you need to rethink your approach because businesses today you might not have to have a 5 year business plan You still have to have a business plan. You still have to have a marketing plan. You still have to have goals that you have set, ways to track these things. You have to know what you're doing. All of these basic tenets of running a business still exist. And at no point in history has shortcuts been something that was taught about business. That is something that people sought out on their own because they didn't want to put the time into it. And now... The people not putting the time into things on the Internet are starting to see the downside to that.
1: And I think I think online, especially customers and, and searchers, they're a lot smarter. They're savvier. They know what they're looking for. And they know when they end up on a website that doesn't have the answer or doesn't have their product. I think they catch on to that a lot more than before. So the whole concept of you actually have to be a good business and provide great service great products all that I mean that's huge I mean that's a concept that's always been around but like it's been mentioned went away a little bit there for some businesses online so it's good that's coming back and I think that more customers are demanding that too
0: absolutely agree Mindy it's you know it's one of those areas where it, it really matters to customers now and I think we're seeing a growth curve of the maturity of the internet uh, user. And that growth curve is not a linear, easy curve. It is a bit of a hockey stick. And I don't think businesses are recognizing that. I don't think they're realizing how quickly Internet users are becoming savvy and the effect that it has. Uh, I point to things like AMP from Google as a very specific instance where it's clear that they are seeing a maturity in the average mobile user that is affecting their um, the users uh, behavior and so Google is needing to adjust and they're trying to drag the businesses along with that adjustment to satisfy that newer savvier mobile user and and you know we need to see these things for what they are and as business owners we need to embrace them and start working toward you know how we fit into that paradigm
2: well thank you guys for shedding some light on what's really happening behind search engine doors Um, And beyond that, you'll want to read Dwayne's post if you haven't already. Maybe bookmark it for yourself or share it with your boss. Just go to bruceclay.com slash blog for the February 2nd post. What should you expect from a search engine? Thanks to Webmaster Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to you on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. See you next week on SEM Synergy.